Welcome back to one-on-one New York's longest running sports call-in show WFUV 90.7 FM, WFUV.org, WFUVsports.org, and live on YouTube. It is Dylan Balsamo. It's my old friend, Mr. Sam Davis on Zoom from Ireland. We are joined by sports writer from Newsday, Miss Laura Albanese. We're going to talk a lot of baseball in this segment. Laura, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Very good. Very good. Uh, wonderful to see you. Wonderful to get to talk to you. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, news and so much going on in New York baseball. Let's start with, um, with the Metropolitans. They are, by all metrics, the best team in baseball. They're the first team at 10 wins as of our recording of this on Thursday afternoon. They lead in a bunch of offensive categories. Francisco Lindor is doing everything right. Pete Alonso is the best DH in National League history. What is your take on the Mets so far this year? Um, I think I tweeted something to this effect a couple of days ago. This is this is the most competent that I've seen them since that 2015 year. And it wasn't even the whole 2015 year, or just kind of the last two months of the 2015 year. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it's Buck Showalter, although I do think he has a huge, huge hand in it. Um, but it just seems like there is a, the, the team is coming together in a way that I haven't really experienced, um, having been on site, you know, basically covering them since 2012 or however long it's been too long. Um, they're pitching on all cylinders, which is incredible because, you know, Jacob deGrom is hurt and we, we don't really know exactly when he's going to come back. Um, their bullpen is functional. Um, I think it's 16th in the league, but you know, there, ha- there hasn't been enough of the sample size, but you know, from the eye test, they look very, very good. And they've had some nice surprises. Uh, Chase and Shreve has been really, really uh, a delight um, and they're hitting. Um, and I think the biggest, uh, you mentioned it before, Francisco Lindor, you know, I think last year we forgot, um, you know, how good this guy could be. Um, but when he is on, he's an absolute game changer and we're seeing it time and time again. We saw it, especially in the series against the Giants, which, you know, came in as one of the favorites in the National League. And, and you know, the Mets handled them really handily. Yeah, Laura, you mentioned the, the starting pitching and that's where I got to go, because that's been obviously incredibly impressive. The fact that the, the, the starting pitching staff is so deep, I mean, going seven deep right now. And like you said, DeGrom being hurt, you know, the best pitcher on the planet, not even you know, in the rotation right now. So how important is depth with this team? It's not only the starting pitching, it's really the team as a whole, but looking at that pitching, it's really impressive how deep they can go. Yeah. You know, and that was actually something that Buck had talked about a couple of days ago. You know, he's like, it's early in the season and early in the season, your depth isn't always necessarily tested, but the Mets depth has been tested and it's been tested time and time again. And so he's saying that the way that they've been able to rise to the challenge these last few days, it pretends good things for the future of this season, because, you know, they're getting these guys, these guys are getting their legs underneath them now in April. Uh, And when they're inevitably called to action in August and September, when people get injured, because it's such a long season, they'll be able to produce just because they've done it before. They have that confidence. They know they can do it. Um, And, you know, one of the most impressive things about the starting rotation, I think is, is just some of the performances we've seen from, from Tyler McGill and from David Peterson. I mean, you look at McGill and it's like, mini DeGrom, except I think Peterson is taller, um, uh, but he, he throws so hard. Um, and in addition to throwing hard, he, ha- he has that location, he has that command, and it really keeps uh, opposing batters off kilter. Uh, and, and Peterson has, has come in on, into his own after last year. Um, I had spoken to him after his start. Um, it, it, was, it wasn't his best start. I believe he gave up four runs. Uh, prior to that, he had been doing a little bit better. 
Um, and I asked him what was different, you know, because last year he, he had some trouble establishing the fastball, dealing with some of his breaking pitches. And he said, you know, honestly, I just feel healthy. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we assume that if a pitcher or if a player is not on the injured list, he's healthy. But that's very rarely the case. I mean, it's such a long season that guys get dinged up. Uh, and obviously, uh, his season last year was cut short with injury. So, you know, there were some issues. Um, and, and now he just feels good and it shows. Talking with Laura Albanese here on one on one New York's longest running sports call and show, you know, Laura, we've talked about a lot of these Mets so far. Someone we are yet to mention here in the segment is the biggest acquisition of the offseason. Mr. Max Scherzer had another brilliant start, took a no hitter late into the game back on Tuesday night. And, and, you know, we in the New York area have seen him a lot, obviously, you know, in his time at the Nationals. But, you know, even if you're a Yankee fan, you saw him a lot when he was pitching with the Detroit Tigers. It feels like every big game the Yankees played for about three or four years there was against the Detroit Tigers. So in, in your watching of Max Scherzer, and he's coming up in age now as well, um, what is your observation of his mechanics? Are they the same as they were, you know, in previous dominant seasons? And how can the Mets use that uh, coming uh, into the rest of the season? You know, one of the impressive things about Scherzer, was he 38 or he's, he's there, he's somewhere in that ballpark. <laughs> um, pitchers of his caliber, it's so important to replicate mechanics over and over and over again. And he has the ability to do that. And not only does he have the ability to do that, he has the ability to do that when he's uncomfortable. Um, talking to him after uh, the game where he took the, the no hitter into the six, he was like, oh, I, he basically said he was deeply uncomfortable the whole time. It was cold. It was freezing. He was like, he said that the baseball felt like a rock or a pebble in his hand. It was so difficult to throw, but you would never know. Uh, and part of that is because he does take care of his body, because he's such a gamer, because he knows how to move things and maneuver things. And when one pitch isn't particularly working one day, he knows how to switch over to another thing or how to set up certain pitches with another pitch. Um, his baseball IQ is just so impressive. Um, and you see that a lot as with pitchers who get older, you know, you have the pitchers who can adapt. Um, uh, you guys, your Bartolo Colon, your CC Sabathia's, your guys who are like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to do that. Um, and then you have the pitchers who can't, and that's where their shelf life ends. Scherzer still has his stuff. I mean, if you look at it, I was looking at, um, like, I was looking at the best pitches on baseball savant, um, that the Mets have this year. And number one was his slider still the best pitch on, on the staff. And after that, it was like, um, Jason Shreve's uh, splitter, which I was surprised to see, but he's definitely, it's definitely been impressive. Uh, so he still has the stuff, but he also has that, those, those wily smarts that come with age. Uh, so right now he's the best of both worlds, um, especially with the DeGrom injury. Uh, this was just such an incredible acquisition and the Mets look brilliant for doing it. Yeah, so the three of us obviously covering the team uh, last season, it was no secret, you know, the the offense was just bad at times, you know, obviously struggled for sure. Um, you know, what is guys like Escobar, Marte, you know, Lindor, like we mentioned, and how well he's been playing? Uh, how important has those newcomers been? I guess you could even consider Lindor a newcomer with how well he's played this year versus last season. So what has that really done to the offense this year so far? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent point. I mean, you look at you look at Eduardo Escobar and you just see like, this is a professional hitter. This guy knows how to measure up pitchers, see what they're throwing, a very sort of academic approach to hitting. Uh, there was an at-bat yesterday where he, take, uh, he worked out a 10-pitch walk in a pivotal situation. He knows 
how to approach different situations. And that is such a big get for the Mets. I think they have the best on-base percentage in Major League Baseball right now. Again, small sample size. You can't really like declare them, you know, the, the kings of the offense or anything like that. But it's because of guys like Eduardo Escobar. It's, it's because of guys um, like Starling Marte, you know, like yesterday. Okay, so Starling Marte gets thrown out trying to steal second and not a very good decision. Um, but we also know that, you know, nine times out of that 10, he can read the situation. He can read pitchers. He can understand how to move across the base paths in a way that will benefit the mess. And I think one of the most impressive things that I've seen that I haven't seen in recent years, um, that was a little bit of an issue with like the Luis Rojas teams is base running. Uh, just the heads up base running that I've seen. You've seen it from P. Alonso. Alonso doesn't have great foot speed, but he knows how to run the bases. Um, and a lot of times that's even more important than being fast. Well, I would say most times that's more important than being fast. Still here with Laura Albanese here on One on One, New York's longest running sports call and show. Laura, Laura, let's shift to the other side of New York baseball here. Certainly not a bad team, but in comparison, you know, to this point in the year, and we're still very early, not as good of a team to this point. That's the Yankees. You know, we, we've they put in some good, you know, efforts this year. A couple of concerning um, points, namely for me, uh, was Nestor Cortez's outing in uh, Baltimore back on Easter Sunday. The game the Yankees blew. It, it feel like that was a big Achilles heel for the Yankees last year was not being able to just win games against a team like Baltimore they were supposed to win. Yeah. Is that a concern to you, even if it's this early in the year? Uh, I think it is, only because so much of the Yankees makeup, like some of the personnel has changed. Obviously, you know, they have different guys that got Donaldson, but that that makeup of guys who hit big home runs, but not but a team that can't necessarily drive-in runners with guys in scoring position, that hasn't worked for them recently. You know, I, that's a problem. That's been a problem with their lineup for the longest time, the situational hitting. Um, they're always going to have that good bullpen. You know, it's going to be shaky every once in a while, but the bullpen it really did bail them out very early in the season. Uh, but until guys can get timely hits, you can't always count on Giancarlo Stanton to rocket it out 450 feet or whatever else it is, or, or Aaron judge for that matter. Yes. These guys can hit the ball out and yes, home runs are a big part of their game, but you need to have a more complete lineup. Um, I was actually a little bit surprised uh, in the off season that they didn't do a little bit more uh, just in terms of getting the type of guys who can get on base, who can manufacture runs a little bit more. Um, and I can give them a different dimension because when you have multiple dimensions to a team, you know, you want the entire lineup to be a threat. You just don't, you don't want just like the three and four hitter to be a threat or, or, you know, just Anthony Rizzo or judge or whoever, you know, um, and until they can get the personnel or until they can start clicking a little bit more. Um, I don't know if they're going to be as formidable as they otherwise could be. Uh, again, there are bright spots, you know, like, you know, I think Aaron Hicks after a really tough couple of years is showing signs of, of kind of getting back to himself. Um, which, you know, you'll take that any day, you know, a switch hitter like him who can play the outfield the way he does. If he can have a bounce back year, that would, all, that would be a huge get for the Yankees. Yeah. So what do you make of the struggles of, of Garrett Cole early on in the year? Uh, just, just, you know, basically flat out. Do you think, you know, this is any sign of, of a trend this season or is this way too early to really even consider this? Because, you know, he's the guy. And I think the Yankees have always had really good pitching, yeah. um, you know, in the past and, and they still even this year have found a way so far to have some really good starting pitching outside of Garrett Cole so you know just what's your concern level I guess with Garrett Cole early on I think you have to be a little bit naive not to be concerned 
you know, this is not the Garrett Cole that we saw two years ago or three years ago. Um, and who knows? It's cold. Shortened spring training. That was a huge thing. You know, I, I think we found out uh, opening in his opening day start when he got a little bit put off by how long the uh, opening ceremonies went. Like then. three minutes over. Yeah. Right? <laughs> was, so what, was, it, was it Billy Crystal throwing out the it first It was day? Billy Crystal, yes. How could so, you get mad um, at Billy Crystal? Uh, isn't he a Mets fan? I think he. I don't know. I feel like I've seen him walk around with a Mets hat before. Billy, Crystal, Billy Crystal confirmed Yankee fan. Oh, oh confirmed. Sorry. My apologies, Mr. Crystal. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was thrown off. And um, so, you know, that tells me that that maybe it, not everybody has to be great at adapting to difficult circumstances or different circumstances. But a shortened spring training after a lockout, that is the biggest difficult, different circumstance that a pitcher can have. So while I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't be concerned at all, I should say, I, I am saying that maybe you should take that more into consideration. The fact that he wasn't built up, you know, like for, for his first start, what do you throw like 65 pitches? That's not what you expect from Garrett Cole. Um, the weather's still not been good. That always affects pitchers. Um, and of course there's this, you know, the spider tack thing, like how much did that help him? How much did that affect him? It definitely, you know, some guys, they took away the sticky stuff and they were fine. Some guys, they took away the sticky stuff. Suddenly they don't got a spin rate anymore. So, you know, it's like, it's a difficult situation. And, and I think it's one that's still kind of being figured out. Um, but the Yankees need them. Um, and if they don't get the Garrett Cole they need, I just don't know how well they can do this year. You know, Laura, you hinted earlier at um, being surprised this off season and, uh, at, a, I guess, a lack of, of, uh, offensive improvement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously the uh, the most notable move Brian Cashman made this offseason was the big trade with the Minnesota Twins that sent Gary Sanchez to Minnesota. And obviously, you know, Gary in his time in the Bronx was, uh, I guess, a bit of a polarizing player in terms of what people wanted from him. Um, and, and obviously you get Isaiah kind of falefa in, uh, in return. Right. In your opinion, how long should we take? And obviously trades can take a long time to really pan out. How long should we take to really evaluate how good or how bad or how great or how disastrous of a move that was? Um, I, I mean, I think you should probably give it till the trade deadline. I, I, I think you do need to give it a little time to settle. Uh, one of the issues with Gary is that he, it, what, he was so polarizing for so many people that I just don't know that he was ever going to be fully accepted in the Bronx. Yeah. You know, I look at Gary and, you know, this was a guy who really wanted to be a catcher, but he probably should have been put somewhere else. Um, to, to just to lengthen his offensive career, um, because it felt like a lot of the times uh, in the in in the intervening years uh, after that first you know first two like really big seasons from him that he was getting beat up constantly behind the plate, and you know you can't overstate how difficult it is to be an everyday catcher and to keep your body at peak performance level and be hitting these bombs and being that type of offensive weapon. Um, and I think that might have, you know, cut into a little bit of just his effectiveness at the plate. Uh, and, and that's, I think, something that we saw in the last couple of years. Uh, he looks like, you know, I haven't unfortunately been looking at the Twins too much lately just because I've been on Mets duty for the last week didn't change. Sorry. Um, but it looks like he's, you know, he's doing pretty well. And in addition to that, he doesn't kind of have the bright lights of the Bronx on him, which could be helpful. Not everybody's made for New York and that's fine. You know, there are some people, you know, they want, they want to have their Mike Trout money, like Mike Trout, go to the angels um, and kind of have a different experience. 
Yeah, I mean, the looking at the the division, obviously the, that the Yankees play in. I mean, the Blue Jays are an incredibly impressive group. Uh, a lot of people are very high in them, and rightfully so. You also have you know the Red Sox and the Rays in the mix as well. The Orioles who beat the Yankees all the time, even in there also. So looking at the division, where do the Yankees fit uh, in the division? What do they need to do, I guess, you know, going forward this season to make themselves a formidable, you know, opponent and contender in the AL East? Well, I, th- I think you guys touched on, upon it before. They need to beat the teams that they that they should beat. I mean, like the Orioles shouldn't have had their number last year. Come on. I mean, it's the Orioles. Let's, <laughs> please. Uh, so, yeah, I, I absolutely think they need to uh, they need to take care of what they need to take care of. Um, they need to look at their situational hitting, um, maybe work a little bit more with their analytics department or even beef up their an- analytics department in terms of how they approach certain situations, certain scenarios. I think that could be extremely helpful. Um, if they're in it at the trade deadline, which I expect they absolutely will be, there has to be moves made, I think, uh, in order to round out the offense to make them a more credible threat. Uh, the thing is the Blue Jays are ridiculously, extremely good. And everybody else other than the Orioles is no slouch either. You can't, you can't sit pat, I don't think, in the AL East and expect to do anything of note. And the Yankees aren't stupid. Brian Cashman isn't stupid. You know, they understand this. It's just a question of finding the right pieces that fit when there are so many teams right now that are competitive, when there are so many teams that could make the playoffs, um, which means that there are probably going to be fewer sellers at the, at the trade deadline. So, Laura, I guess just to sum things up here as we talk about both the Yankees and the Mets, and again, things are really early, but, you know, both teams have a lot of talent. Both teams, you know, have a lot of potential to compete, but, you know, if they're not careful, either team could wind up in third or fourth place in their division, the Yankees in particular. So as you look at both these teams, um, what are your overall concerns about any kind of sustainability for them? So like, as I know for the Mets in particular, they looked good for a lot of time last year, specifically 116 days in first place, and then everything fell apart and, Right. You know, all the holes were poked in. You could say the same thing about the Yankees to some extent. So what are your concerns there? Um, so I think when it comes to sustainability, uh, you always want to look at the ages of your roster. Uh, so those are two concerns. I mean, I, I think that the, the Mets are a little bit younger um, and, you know, you know, with guys like Alonzo and Lindor, maybe a little bit more durable. You guys got, you have some guys like Donaldson on the Yankees, which are a little bit more injury prone. Uh, the other thing I'm worried about or that I would definitely keep an eye on is bullpen usage. Um, yes, there's expanded rosters now, but they're not gonna have expanded rosters forever. Uh, they won't have them very soon. And when it, the bullpen, especially in the Yankees case is such an important part of their team. Uh, and they've already been pretty well taxed just because so many guys weren't stretched out. I think the Mets starters went a little bit longer. So that's something I, I definitely want to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. And, and, and with the Mets, it's just in terms of sustainability, you know, I actually do think Lindor will, if he stays healthy, maintain this. I mean, he's hitting something like 277 now. I think he's like a 278, 279 career hitter. His um, batting average on base on balls last year was like garbage. It was like 248. So he just got super unlucky. Um, And um, I think if he stays healthy, if Alonzo stays healthy, you know, the DH and the NL is going to be a huge deal in terms of keeping these guys primed and ready, especially kind of like a bigger guy like Alonzo, you know, where sometimes the bigger guys can be more prone to injury. Um, So I think if you look at all those aspects, I think those are important. Um, And honestly, you know, I think 
the managers and the job that they do is going to be extremely important. Aaron Boone is gone. Is he's taken a lot of flack in the last couple of years, and some of it rightfully so. Um, but you know, there's always that thing of like, okay, did he call the shot? Did somebody else call the shots? So that's going to be an issue. And there's Buck Walter, who is already beloved somehow. <laughs> it's been like 13 seconds, um, but already beloved. You know, he knows how to manage a team. Um, it's just a question of you know continuing to manage them and continuing to manage them well um, and, you know, hoping for the best, but also listening to your guys, because sometimes a guy who's been in major league baseball for 45 years, and I'm not saying Buck is like this. He seems seems very nice. Uh, Sometimes a guy who's been in baseball that long can kind of get into his own head and be like, I know everything about it. I don't think Buck is like that, but as long as he stays not like that, we should be fine. Well, Laura, before we go, is there anything you want to promote for yourself at all? Uh, no, (laughs) Oh no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by all means um you can uh, find me at laura oh, sorry at albanese laura uh on twitter um and then uh, yeah basically every other day or every day on newsday.com um that is where i write and where they pay me and it is sometimes good great that's that's all good to hear that's newsday sports writer laura albanese we'll be right back with some more one-on-one here on wfuv stick around